Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us, they were competitive games, though they were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up, we were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying, because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Pure Victory Podcast. Braden here, Matt across from me. Hope you guys are doing well. And it's been another week, so we hope whatever's going on in your life and your story right now, you've come to us in a good state. But even if you haven't, thanks for being here. And we're hopeful that this is something that'll be encouraging to you today. And we are encouraged because we love the story of this couple that we are going to be talking to today. We have on today, Kirsten and Dave Samuel. And we first learned about them actually through another broadcast that we heard their story on. And we were super pumped because we love stories of hope and especially moments where couples come back from having porn in their marriage and they come out the other side and they're actually turning around and helping other couples. What an amazing, powerful story because I think a lot of couples, if they're in the midst of that kind of difficulty, they don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow, let alone turning around and helping others. So that's an amazing thing. So Kirsten and Dave Samuel. So Kirsten is a coach, an author, and a speaker. And with Dave, they actually do some couples coaching as well. But Dave is a professional audio engineer. That's his daytime job. <laughs> and he loves woodworking. Uh, I think, Dave, you're going to have to send some stuff because my wife is always looking for projects to do in the house here. So I know we're in Canada. I don't know how that's going to work, but we can make it work. And they also have 12 grandchildren. Number 13 is coming on the way. So that is super excited. From only three kids too like that's that's pretty good bang for your buck three kids and you get 13 grandkids <laughs> that is incredible yeah so that's a, that's a lot of christmas presents but anyways <laughs> thanks guys for being on with us today um we really appreciate you taking the time oh, it's great to be with you guys and uh, we're excited about uh, being able to tell our story and hopefully you know help someone that's that's listening in yeah that's the whole purpose of telling the story is to bring hope and to encourage others that 
they're not stuck. That's, That's right. right. That's right. I love it. I love that you do that. Recently, somebody in one of our groups in our ministry said that when you share your story, it's not sharing a story of shame or, or struggle. It's sharing a story of God's grace. And I just love that exactly perspective. Right. I'm like, that's yeah. so cool. And so I love when couples stick it out and, and get through this together as you guys have. So maybe take us back to what did that look like? Um, what did your marriage look like leading up to D-Day or Discovery Day, Kirsten, when you found out about Dave's uh, Dave's porn use? What was your marriage like before that? Well, I thought it was pretty good, actually. Uh, we didn't fight. And so I thought we had a great marriage. Um, we, you know, we were just on the cusp of being empty nesters uh, when, when this uh, D-Day came. And um, we were, we were, enjoying life, doing things together, but we had some hidden secrets. Yeah. And I would, yeah, I, I think it, from my perspective, I loved Kirsten. I loved our kids. I was committed to her. Um, we were, we, we were enjoying life together, but um, yeah, the secret, the secret sin that had plagued me for years just started coming back even stronger. And, and that's where things really started to fall apart. Yeah. I think that a lot of couples kind of would share that they, they feel like their marriage has a level of consistency or is going well. They don't know what's simmering under the surface though. Mm -hmm. So for you, Kirsten, did you have any indication maybe in, in your marriage that maybe something was a little off? Maybe you didn't quite know, why am I not feeling a deeper connection here with Dave or, you know, don't want to put words in your mouth, but what, what were you seeing? <laughs> yeah. Um, there had actually been an indication about nine years earlier and, um, you know, I, I brushed it off, uh, which is really typical, uh, for women when, when pornography is part of the scenes, uh, part of the, part of the scene, you, you you're suspicious, but you're not, but you're like, nah, I'm just imagining things. Yeah. And so I kind of brushed it off. And then there was, there were some other things as I was, thinking about this, um, there were some other things where I would mention something to Dave about, um, something that I was learning about God or really wanting to explore in my spiritual life. And, um, and, and I would sense a distance from him that he didn't draw in like I ex expected him to. And so it was like, as I, as I thought back over that in a few years, there were warning signs and, um, you know, and that's one of the things that I talk with women about is you kind of did know, um, but you ignored the warning signs because they're so subtle. At least in my case, they were subtle. Yeah, they often are. And that's one thing for, for people watching porn to realize that, you know, you think, well, I'm doing this in secret. Nobody knows I'm not hurting anybody. But the reality is you may not directly be hurting somebody, but indirectly, even if it's withholding, you're not building intimacy. You're not showing love. You're not right. pursuing God. So there is that that disconnect that happens in marriage. And over time, it might just be normal. You might just think like, this is just how it is. And so you might not even realize what your marriage could be if you had that out. Um, yes. But Dave, like when you were in that, were you were you aware of some of the damages that it was doing to, uh, to that porn use was doing to your marriage? Or were you just kind of in denial? Like what was what was going on in your mind? Well, no, I, in some ways I did understand the damage it was doing because when I would get into that, that shame cycle that we like to call where things are going great and then you, you 
have an instance where you fall into, into sin and start looking at porn. Then there's the shame. And then I'm never going to do that again. And then things are really good. And then you get back to the top and it's that cycle starts all over. So when, when I would get into that cycle, I, I knew, and I could feel in my spirit, the distance that that sin had separated me from God and that relationship had been damaged. So I, in a, in a way I knew that, yes, that was damaging my relationship with God. And that was probably one of the reasons why um, there wasn't the, the spiritual connection because that was damaged. Yeah. Um, but also, but I think as far as the relationship with Kirsten and me, it was like, well, as men, we're really good to compartmentalize. Right. And we can just say, no, it's fine. It's just, it's just, happening to me. But then you look at the scripture and say, you know, no, you're sinning against yourself. And there's all these ramifications. And there was a cognitive disconnect between what I was doing and, and, and the whole feeling of separation of God and a, a severed relationship. But um, yeah. And so for me, it was, it was that cycle where things would be good for a while, but then they'd be bad. And then it would just kind of go and go. So that was the, yeah. I, I, so yes, to answer your question, yes, it I did, but at other times, no. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're just, those are the kinds of things that, like I said, they were so subtle. They were, you know, requests that he would have um, of me that were, they were just odd. You know, right. they were, they, they didn't, they didn't fit who I thought he was. And as I look back and as we began our recovery, um, I realized, oh, that was related to the porn. Right but I didn't know it at the time. Right. Right. And yeah, I think that often these things are, are, they're not so evident or if they, they are, we don't want to admit maybe what's going on because it's, it's painful. Mm-hmm. Um, now for for you, Dave, um, kind of that mindset that you were working through as far as that cycle. Um, I know it didn't start there for you. <laughs> so maybe let's, right. let's, let's go back a bit. Um, I always talk about this, you know, when I've shared my story of how there was porn in my marriage, it, it didn't start in the marriage. It started outside of the marriage when mm-hmm. I was single. Um, is that the same for you? Like how did porn kind of come into your life and um, kind of enter into the marriage? Yeah, I, um, I trace everything back to a initial exposure as a child, I think I was, I was around five or six when I was first exposed to pornography and that was through a family member. Um, and, and I think that started the whole curiosity cycle of, um, you know, what, what's, what's going on, that kind of thing. I mean, a five or six year old is not equipped emotionally to handle that. And, uh, so I had questions, but you know, I just, yeah, the, the other part of that was I was dealing with um, a lot of insecurity because I was, I was short, I was skinny, uh, I wasn't really athletic, so I didn't fit the typical boy mold. I, I, wasn't, af- I wasn't athletic, I didn't have interest in athletics, and I was more musically inclined, more sensitive. Um, so there was a lot of things at play there that when I would be bullied in school or when I would, um, not fit in on the soccer field or whatever, then that led to needing some sort of medication. And, and so, I mean, and this would have been earlier, this 
have been later on in my teen years where I realized, okay, then, you know, that's kind of what's happening. But as a five or six year old, I didn't really know what was going on. I remember trying to talk to my parents about it. My dad gave the classic answer of, you can let the birds fly over your head, but you don't let them nest in your hair. And I remember thinking, what does that mean? (laughs) But there was no explanation. And so because of his answer, then I was very reluctant to ask additional questions because it was, you know, a feeling of being stupid and things like that. So that started that cycle of, you know, needing that medication to combat the inferiority complexes and, and the feelings of inferiority that I was having at the time. So, you know, and, and, and back when, when I was first exposed, it was, it was very difficult to, I mean, it wasn't easy to find it. You had to go to the store, you had to stand in front of the magazine racks. And, you know, I mean, it was just, there was a little more effort that you had to go through. Things really became, came to the head in um, the mid nineties when computers started becoming very prevalent and the internet. And, and that was for me um, opened a whole box of things that that shouldn't have because (laughs) now it was very easy to find and um, very accessible yeah for sure you touched on a couple things there that that I think are really important because we talk about it's not just the goal is not to get porn free in life that's not the goal that the Lord has for us it shouldn't be our goal our goal is to be as healthy and as Christ-like as possible and you touched on a couple things where you're, you're 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 talking about your insecurities and your your size, your height, you felt like you were stupid at one point. When people have this goal, like, hey, I want to be porn free, there's always these other things. And so we can get porn free, but if we're not pursuing health in these other areas, we're still hindered in life as, as far as living the, uh, to the fullness of what God has for us. And right. so have you have you done some digging into that or reframing the way that you see maybe you're, I don't know how tall you are now, but like your size or the intelligence, because sometimes our parents will say one thing to us and it sticks forever. Or we just get this narrative in our head, like, oh, I wish that I was bigger or I wish that I was smaller. And that just stays for the rest of our life. But I said to somebody recently, who told you five, six was bad? (laughs) Like who told you that God God never told you that, that five, six was the wrong height for you. And so did you ever do any work in, in terms of digging into your insecurities below the surface? I, I think so. I, I you know, I, because a lot of this happened, um, I was in my mid forties, early fifties when we were going through a lot of this. So, um, a lot of it was looking back in perspective and saying, okay, I'm created, especially how God wants me to be for yeah. the job he has for me. Yeah. Um, because of my love of music, because of being more sensitive, um, that fits very well with, with mixing music and hearing music and, and doing that. And, um, um, yes, I have done some of that, but a lot of it is just, okay, how am I made and how does that, um, fit into what God has for us? Totally. And, uh, yeah, so that's, um, so I, you know, I, I think we could do more with that, but, yeah. um, you know, after battling insecurity and, to be honest and to be fair, I still battle with insecurity. Right. There's still those voices and I have to stop and Kirsten and I'll talk about it and say, man, I'm hearing voices that are saying this and I know that's not true. Mm. And, uh, um, and no, we're going to push through this. And, and so, you know, we talk about it, which we didn't before um, because as a man, I had to be the strong one yeah. and there was no problems with me. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I um, feel I feel like you're not giving yourself enough credit when you say you've kind of worked through it because it, <laughs> it seems like you have, and there's always a way to go. But when you feel those things come and you hear those thoughts, you stop and you talk to your yeah, wife about it, yeah. and you mm-hmm. take those things captive and you speak truth over yourself. That's the key, and and we don't mm-hmm. just don't want those insecure thoughts to run rampant because eventually right. you're gonna want to escape if you let those thoughts go. So I think that you have probably done more than you even realize. <laughs> well, and the accuser of our soul is always trying to demean us mm-hmm. yeah um you know kirsten will say the same thing is that she'll start hearing voices when she's doing something and and we talk about it it's like okay what's the truth in this and and let's you know let's let's delve into the truth and and focus on that instead of the the lie that's being perpetrated to us because that's what the devil does he is the enemy of our souls that is the liar and the deceiver mm. well and what did jesus do when when satan tempted him was he refuted with scripture. And so one of the things that we have both done is really get into scripture, really start to, you know, so when those, when those lies come, God will bring back through the power of the Holy spirit. He brings back verses. Like even when Dave was talking, I was thinking Ephesians 2 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good purposes. You know, Psalm 139 comes back and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the reality of it is God doesn't make junk, but, but we've both had to work through that um, in this recovery process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, part of the process, I like of you talking about it, it, it is a process because often those, those scripture verses that we know at certain points in our life and certain seasons, it's like it's, it's hitting a glass ceiling or it's bouncing off the wall. It's not really sinking in because you might hear it on a level, cognitive level, but it isn't sinking deep into your, your soul, your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be really difficult at times because, yeah, you know it on a level, but why, is, why does this have any meaning to me right now? Or why am I not hearing God through this um, for me, especially those, those identity things, right? Um, we just can't receive it. And I know that I was like that too. And especially in the mindset coming into marriage, I mean, in family life, we always talk about this is we bring a lot of good, but we also bring some bad stuff into marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's just everybody, right? Everybody. We're, we're, yeah. we all, we're all in the same kind of playing field as far as that goes. So um, I don't know about for you, Dave, um, but I know that when I was battling porn in our, in our marriage, it was exhausting because that cycle you talked about, when you hit the high, you feel more intimate with your wife because you're reaching out to her because you're like, hey, I'm good now. Yeah. So that means yeah. I am affirmed and accepted now, at least in your own mind you feel. So, hey, now I can reach out. Now I can approach my wife. Now I can engage with her. But when you're going through that bad stuff and you're feeling really bad about life, maybe life has been stressful or difficult, then you withdraw. And um, mm-hmm. so yep. this, describe the mindset you're going through, Dave, um, about that because I don't know about for you, but for me, it was very exhausting. And then to be honest, I am glad that God exposed me and I got found out because I couldn't sustain a life like that. It was, especially for our marriage, our marriage can sustain that. So I don't know, maybe just comment on that. Yeah. Well, I think for me, the the big thing, I mean, yeah, that, that shame is just, it's just powerful. Um, but you know, I would go back, I would say, okay, I am a believer. I have been a believer for, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, you know, I have a, a long legacy of um, faith within the family. And I couldn't justify, if, if I'm a believer, I should not be dealing with this. And I know this is wrong. And, 
and, and then I, I'd go back to, you know, Paul saying, well, the things I don't want to do, I do the things I, I know mm-hmm. I should do. I don't. And, you know, I mean, it's like, well, he battled with that too, or he battled with something mm-hmm. along those lines. And it's, it's like, okay, but I shouldn't be dealing with this. And then, okay. And then what kind of believer are you, what kind of Christian are you to be dealing with this? And then that would be got the accusing and I would have non Christian friends that would be, you know, seeing pornography and throwing it away. And I'm thinking, well, I should be doing yeah. that too, but I'm not. Why am I not doing that? What's wrong with me? And so, yeah, I mean, it was just, and, and it would be, okay, I'm never doing that again. I am going to handle this on my own and I'm going to just take care of this. And I'd be good for a couple of weeks, maybe yeah. three, four weeks. And, you know, and then all of a sudden I'd find myself back in that. And it was just like, this is, this is ridiculous. And like you said, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I can't tell anybody because then I'm going to lose friends. I'm going to lose influence. I'm going to, you know, and it was a, just all those things that go through, right. but, um, but the real, the real freedom came when I was able to confess that and, and turn that corner and say, okay, I have tried to do this for years and I've been struggling. I can't, I need help. Right. Yeah. I've, I've said, I'll do it one more time for a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've said I'll yeah. beat it on my own for years and I haven't mm-hmm. beat it. So you, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's huge. What you said, you, the freedom came when you confessed. Um, can you talk, was it, was it, I don't even know, was it a confession or was it as Kirsten, did you find it? How did that come out in your marriage? He got caught at work. At work. Okay. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? <laughs> I'm justifying it in my mind because it it technically wasn't pornography, but it was definitely not stuff I should have been looking at. And right. it was it was indicative of other things that were going on. Okay. So but that's that's a justification and I don't need to I don't need to do that. So yeah. when it comes down to it, anything that is against Philippians 4, 8 of pure, honest, just, you know, those kind of things. Anything that's, that deviates from that is impure and impurity is what sucks us into that cycle. Um, so, I mean, I was, I, I was, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the big triggers for me that, uh, we talk about are, you know, um, halt, um, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And I add bored in their boredom right. as a huge thing. Of, Absolutely. You know, and, and there was times at work where I would find, okay, I've got a couple hours where I'm, I, I'm not doing anything and preparing for something, but I've already done that. And, you know, it's just, oh, okay, well, let's, let's, let's do random searches on Google and see what we can, or let's do random searches on the internet to see what we can come up with. And so anyway, that was the pattern and then uh, I had my supervisor come to me and said, hey, you know, um, I've got a, a, a meeting. Uh, I need you to come with me to HR. And, and I started racking my brain of what is going on? You know, why would I be called into HR? And then, um, and then it, it hit me and this flood of panic just overtook me. It was like, oh, no, what's, what's going on? So when I went in with my supervisor to, to the human relations area, they basically presented me with material and said, okay, here are some things that you've been looking at. And I knew at that point, 
I needed to come clean because there was no way to refute. I mean, I, I could look at this stuff, but it was like, I know I'm going to find, and it maybe not all of this information was stuff that that's, that's wrong, but you know, there's, and, and so I confessed right there that I've been struggling this with for years. Mm. And, um, and then, then they said, well, this is really serious and we've caught you at this. So you have a question, you know, we, we need you to, we need you to figure out what you're going to do to deal with this and have a plan together. And then we'll meet tomorrow and we'll decide whether you have a job or not. And it was like, wow, great. <laughs> so, so they said, why don't you take the afternoon and, and, and come back. Um, so I did, I, you know, I, I thought through some things and, and I didn't know what to do. There, there was, there, there was nothing going on, but, um, but their words of this is more serious than you think it is. Right. And, and so I, we'll condense time a little bit here, but, um, I got home that evening, um, was not hungry. You know, I mean, just that worry in my soul and, and just the, the ache in my, in my body really. And, um, I kind of went to the room after dinner and just kind of laid on the bed and Kirsten knew something was wrong. And when she came in, she said, what's going on? And I just, I just said, I'm about to lose. I, I, I'm in jeopardy of losing my job. And she said, why? And I just remember looking at her and saying, because of a moral failure. And it was like the air was sucked out of the room. Well, it was the last thing I expected to hear right. from, from him. And um, I, my knees buckled. And I just collapsed onto the bed. I mean, his behavior was really weird prior to this. So um, I knew something was up, but this, I had no clue this was what was going to be said. And um, I just dropped onto the bed. And I remember, I just remember the, the the, uh, amazing wash of emotions that I went through in a nanosecond. You know, I mean, it it felt like time stopped, but I know it was, it was less than a second that all of this happened. And, um, and I, and I remember in the time thinking, um, I, I don't know who this guy is, who, who, what happened to my husband? Who, you know, who is he? And, um, we had just celebrated 25 years of marriage. So this wasn't, we weren't newly married. This was, yeah. you know, I thought I knew him pretty well. And, um, my next thought was, I have no idea what to do. Uh, you know, cause he said, I, he, you know, he further went on to say, I've got to come up with a plan or it is very likely that I lose my job tomorrow. I will walk in in the morning and not have a job. And, and if that happens, I don't know what we're going to do. And, you know, so in, in all of that, the thoughts that were going through my mind was one, I was, I was wounded to my core Two, I was angry. I mean, more angry than I had ever been in my life. The third thing was you sacrificed our marriage, our family, our financial status, our employment for what, yeah. you know, and, and I'm, and then, and then all of the emotional stuff hit me of, wow, I guess I really have no value. Hmm. I, you know, what did I do wrong? You know, all of this where, which is very typical response for a woman who hears about the pornography that her husband is looking at. Yeah. Right. Immediately you internalize it because unlike men 
we don't get that compartmentalization. Our, our brains are spaghetti bowl all mixed up together and everything is interconnected. And so I immediately went into that. And, you know, my first thought was our, um, our son was getting ready to head off to college. And I thought, well, you you have to tell him, Hmm. you know, and, and our, our daughter and and son-in-law had just, they were only married like a couple of months. And they said, you're going to have to tell them. And our other son was in college in overseas. And I thought, how are we going to tell him, you know, and especially if he lost his job, I mean, everything changed in that second in my life. Hmm. And all I knew was we needed help and I had nowhere, I had no idea where to turn. Yeah. But we did have, and, and, I think the Holy Spirit brought this to Kirsten was we did have a friend who both he and, and the, and the wife were counselors that we knew pretty well. And so she reached out to them and she called them and said, you know, we need to, we need to talk. And, and they said, you know, come on over within 30 minutes, we were sitting on their couch talking to them. And for, for Kirsten, that was the first time that the, the comment was made. This does not have to be fatal. Hmm. And I heard that as well. And it was like, okay, we, we can come back from this. I don't know how, but we can't. So we left that meeting. And then I, I scheduled a meeting with uh, another friend of mine who we've been in a, a small group Bible study with them for years. And he met me for breakfast the next morning. And I told him what was going on. And I said, I need to have a plan in the next hour for <laughs> I, I get in there. And, and so on a napkin, we sketched out a plan of um, what we were going to do. And I presented that to HR that, that morning and they said, okay, we will accept this plan and uh, we'll go with it. Now the plan was, is that I had to have accountability, uh, a software on my computer um, that I had to, uh, have an accountability group of men that were going to come around me to keep me accountable. Um, we would be part of a restoration team to have a, a group of couples come around us and pretty much take over our lives to um, make decisions for us and help us through that process. And also we had to get counseling, individual counseling. And then we decided once we got into that to do couples counseling as well. So we did an intensive marriage counseling with a, a counselor that deals with sexual addiction and really help to um, bring a lot of this stuff in, into perspective. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the, the difficult part of that, so that was the plan that we laid out. The difficult part on this restoration team was we, we had become so isolated in our relationship. We had no friends. We right. had no couples that we were meeting with that could speak into our lives. And so to come up with <laughs> to come up with three other couples that uh, or two other couples that were going to um, you know speak into that we our lives. Trust it. Yeah. yeah, right. I yeah. mean, either Kirsten liked the wife, and I didn't care for the husband, or I liked the husband, she didn't care for the wife, and so it was yeah. really hard to find that. And the Lord really dropped beautiful people into our lives mm. to to help us through that process. And we're still, we're still in touch with them. We, we still connect with them, but um, that was a a lengthy process because they committed to at least 18 months of meeting together. 
Right. And at first it was every week and then it moved every other week. And then it moved to a monthly basis until they felt that, that, and we had them talk with our counselor. Once we did the marriage counseling, then there was open relationship between the team and the counselor and good uh, flow of information. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a, it was an intensive process. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it now plans developed quickly. Um, and I mean, that's, that's amazing, but Kirsten, I just want to hear your mindset because yeah, there's a plan, but you got to partner with the plan at this stage. You're angry, you're hurt, you're upset. Was it going through your mind? Like, well, why do I have to enter into this? This wasn't anything on me. This is anything I did. You know, how did you kind of come to enter into that and to maybe come to terms with that because I'm sure those thoughts came through like, well, this is you, this isn't me. And, and so how did you make that choice? Kay, we are going to have it tomorrow for our marriage. Like what, what were, what was your process with that? That's a great question. Um, I was, I was halfway out the door. I'm going to be very transparent. I, I was like, dude, you, you threw me over. Okay. You, you, you know, you have not kept your marriage vows and I, I could, in my anger, um, I could spiritualize my bad attitude yeah. really easily. Um, but they were legitimate pain. I mean, I was legitimately in deep, deep pain. Um, and so I, you know, I agreed to go and, and find out what this whole plan was. And it made sense to me. And I was like, well, yeah, he needs all the help he can get you know, because he's really screwed up. You know, I'm the good Christian wife. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, all of this. And, um, and really for about the first two months that we were in this process, that was pretty much my attitude. And I was like, well, I'm going to see if you, you know, if you do anything that's, you know, going to salvage this marriage because it's all on you, which is never the truth. It's never the truth. And there were other things going on in our marriage that were broken. Um, and I was broken. Um, I mean, I had, I was hiding my own secrets, um, and through the intensive counseling, again, I went to the intensive counseling thinking, well, yeah, he needs help. You know, we got to do this. And, um, and then it was in there that God looked at me and said, are you ready to deal? Because we got to deal with you too. And, um, he ripped the rug out from under me and he, I literally went into a spiritual crisis in that when I got the diagnosis of suicidal depression, anxiety disorder, and PTSD. Um, and literally, you know, I mean, my, my world was rocked before this diagnosis, but when that diagnosis happened, my, my world literally shut down. Um, I, I described it as I visually lost sight. I could not see everything was like in a pinhole. And, um, and I, you know, I knew that I had to start dealing with all the things that I had been hiding, you know, the, the abuse in my past, uh, the things that I was so afraid, like Dave said, was so afraid that if I ever voiced them, I would be totally rejected. Well, I was already, I already felt totally rejected. So this had really brought all of that to the surface. And, um, at that point, um, I had to come face to face with a big question for me. And that was, is God who he says he is or isn't he? Hmm. Now it sounds like a really simple question, but I was in a spiritual crisis in that moment. 
I mean, God literally allowed everything to be ripped out from underneath me, all my security, everything I thought I believed about my husband, about who God was, about who I was. He allowed it all to be ripped away because I believed that a Christian could not be depressed. And here I was suicidally depressed. So he allowed me to hit rock bottom. And, um, and when I did, and I, and I had to look at that question, I remember having to, I remember crying out like Peter did that if, you know, who else is there? If God is not who he says he is, then just kill me now because then I have nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no, I have no hope. I have no hope for the future. And, you know, as painful as that place was, I'm so thankful for it because once I could say, yes, God is who he says he is, then he can do the impossible, which right now is really impossible. You know, I realized that Jesus was standing right there next to me. Amazing. And he was reaching out to me. Hmm. When I was looking at Kirsten and, you know, going back to my personality being very sensitive, I know I had devastated her. I didn't know when I was in it, but once all this came out, it was like, man, I am lower than scum. (laughs) And, and I, and I remember my counselor asking me because, you know, counseling is expensive. And, and I remember my, my counselor asking me, what is it worth to you for your wife to be healed? And I know I wanted to be healed. It was like, okay, let's get this thing done. I've been trying for years. Let's, Let's shoot it, bag it and go home. And, but when he said that to me, it was like, wow, I, I have made a mess of this and, and it is worth everything that I have for Kirsten to be healed. And then when everything came out that it was not just my stuff we were dealing with, but also stuff from her past, then it was like, okay, let's, you know, we need to, how do I need to be as a, as a godly husband, um, you know, wanting to be a godly husband anyway, who had, who had severely um, made a mistake, but how do, how do we repair this? And, and the first thing was, okay, I need to come clean with my kids. And so we, I, I, you know, we, we got each one individually. And of course our daughter and son-in-law were married. And so, you know, we sat them down together and said, this is what's going on. And um, our youngest son was overseas. So that took a little bit of, of process to get him, but our other son was, was home. And um, we sat down with him and told him what was going on and, and just came clean. And part of the process for me, part of the healing was, Okay, as a dad, I want to teach my kids, we want to teach our kids how to succeed and how to be successful. Mm-hmm. But we also need them how to teach them how to fail well mm-hmm. and, and recover through the failure. And um, so it was like, okay, I'm not going to, I remember thinking in my mind, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. Yes, I've made a mess of things, but I'm going to show them how a man recovers from a devastating blow that he has created. That's an awesome perspective. I love it. You're not, you're not led by shame, but you're taking responsibility and you're letting God's grace come and you're being an example. Mm-hmm. I think that, that's so cool. One of the things that I was surprised both of us um, in this was 
the devastation to the trust between the two of us. Mm. Um, because, you know, we, we used to tell our kids trust is a bank account, you know, you add to it slowly, but you can, you know, you can yeah. wipe it out pretty quickly. Well, his was in a deficit. Yeah. I mean, between the two of us, there was, there was no trust. There was no, um, for a period of time there, I would say there was not even any kindness on my part. I didn't want anything to do with him. I didn't want to touch him. I didn't want to be near him. Um, because I, I, I felt so devastated, uh, you know, I felt so wounded. Um, and, and it really was our counselor who was able to put it into, put to words what I was feeling. Um, and that was that he had committed adultery. And I said, yeah, that's how I'm feeling. And he said, well, porn is adultery. And because it's bringing somebody else into the re relationship that doesn't belong there. Yeah. And when he said that, I was like, oh, so that's why I feel that I have been betrayed at the deepest levels. And he said, yes, it is. And when I could start to voice that, when I could start to, to put name to what was happening, that's when the healing can start because you know what you're dealing with. You, mm -hmm. you can, you know, uh, it's just like a, a medical diagnosis until you know what the issue is. You can't deal with it. That's right. You don't know what's going on. That's right. Wow. It's so cool. It's so cool. Thanks for sharing all of this. I'm excited for, for next week for part two with you guys, just talking about how all the things that you learned uh, walking through your journey and what you've learned to teach people and how you help other people. It's obviously you've gone through it and you have the experience and, and the wisdom that you gained. Um, I just think it's so cool that when God exposes something it's not to harm us, it's to heal us, but he exposes mm -hmm. Dave, your porn use or your inappropriate, you know, visuals that you're looking at. But then also through that process, also then he exposes, you know, the stuff that you were hurt, hurt, uh, hiding, Kirsten. And he's just so holistic and all-encompassing, which mm -hmm. I think is so cool. So I'm excited for next week. Thanks for sharing this week. Uh, where can people find your stuff? I know you're an author. You got some books. You got resources. Where can people find you? Yes, it's KirstenDSamuel.com. So Kirsten is K-I-R-S-T-E-N. D is in Diane and Samuel, just like the first name, Samuel.com. There's all sorts of resources, resources on there. Uh, the book that we have written about our story is called Choosing a Way Out When the Bottom Isn't the Bottom. And uh, really is the story of God's redemptive work um, in our life. Uh, we love to say that we didn't get our marriage back. We got a brand new one. Hmm, cool. and we wow. wouldn't go back to the old one for anything. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is such a powerful message. Um, I don't want to really add too much because that is just a great way to leave it. But for those of you listening out there, I hope that gives you a sense of hope because hearing a story like this, sometimes you think you're alone, right? You don't think there are stories like this. You think you can't come back from whatever you're going through in your marriage. Um, and if porn's in your marriage, you're just not sure what it looks like. But stay tuned. Next week, we're going to have Kirsten and Dave back on to share a little bit about how they did come back. Um, and get some healing there, but also some advice and maybe some understanding of how couples can work in their marriage and allow God to work in their marriage so that they can have a brand new marriage through something so difficult like this. But excited for next week. Thanks, Kirsten. Thanks, Dave, for being here Thank with you. us. Thank you, man. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.